I'm not going to tell your maiden name, name might see some of your reminds that you know, okay, tell me more and so on. So that, that's very romantic. So let's look at white holding. Uh, two angels of Jesus, two at the day of the resurrection, Matthew. The two angels' countenance was like lightning, and the raiment white as snow. Now here's a question. The first to be resurrected was Jesus Christ. And we know from Matthew and Helaman that a lot of people were resurrected right after he was resurrected. So here's the question where these two angels resurrected beings. Uh, and in the uh, Bible, too, 
A dream is a vision, and a vision is a dream. Now, that's not all, always the case that you like to read a dream at night. So I'm not trying to say this. Joseph Smith appeared to Elder Cannon. And Elder said Joseph Smith was dressed in his temple clothing. And Joseph Smith said, Come with me to this higher part of the ship, probably where no one can see them. And they kneeled down, and Elder Cannon said, We prayed as we learned how to pray in the temple. So if you went to the temple, you figure that out, what that means. Then when they were done, they stood up and Elder Joseph Smith said, now pull up that rope. And Elder Cannon, and this is on the screen, quote, I took hold of it, the rope, and with the greatest ease and without the least effort, the anchor was raised. And then Elder Cannon said, the prophet uh, gave him a little lesson, something like this. I, I, I'm paraphrasing. See what you can do with little faith. Um, so it, it's an amazing story. Now it's an angel, Joseph Smith, that there are a lot of stories, true stories, with Joseph Smith. I choose the most careful stories, so I'm choosing a, a missionary who later became an apostle. Now it doesn't mean non-apostles can't have true stories, but I'm just I, I'm very choosy about my my stories. Here's another one. Elder Wilbur Woodruff and Elder George A. Smith, both apostles, were serving as companions in London, England. It is October 1840. And earlier that day, uh, Elder Heber C. Kimball was there too. And Heber C. Kimball left late afternoon or, or evening to go to Preston, England. Now, Preston, England was in my mission, and I, I know Preston really well, and I know London a little bit. Uh, um, elders Woodruff and Smith were talking during the evening, late to the evening, about the restoration of the gospel. Another time you want to listen in, what are these two apostles talking about? During their visits, a host of Satan's attacked them. This impacted Elder Woodruff so much that he wrote about it and then preached about it at least six times during his ministry before his death, both as an apostle and as a prophet. Uh, to this group, to this group, and published it here and published it here. And I read all six copies in my research, just to be thorough. He also mentions it in his journal. And he said, it was as if we were about ready to die because of these devils. He heard a voice say, probably the voice of the Spirit, pray. And Elder Woodruff thought, how can I pray when I'm in this condition? But he uttered a prayer. And then this is what happened. They're in a little apartment. Their beds were about 39 inches apart, small apartment, and I've seen that too. The door of the room opened and three messengers, angels, entered, and the room was filled with light equal to the blazing of the sun at midday. Now understand it's about midnight. These messengers were all dressed in robes of immortal beings. On another occasion, President Woodruff speaking of them, said that they were, quote, dressed in temple clothing. 
and I've given you the, the, the source here. The three messengers, by the laying on of hands, gave Elder Woodruff a blessing, and then gave Elder um, um, George Albert Smith a blessing, gave them both a blessing, and uh, uh, the Satans had to depart. Now, Elder Woodruff said this, and this, in fact, is my mission. Many years later, a century and a half later, he said, because of these three angels and the blessing they gave, Satan will never again have that much power in England. Now, that's quite, quite a good to say. So, uh, on my mission, I can testify that was the case. Yes, Satan's power is there, and, and he's manifested in different ways, but according to the words of a prophet, never again, because of the blessing of the feed, or who have that much power. But here again, I'm pointing out the dress. White clothing, temple clothing, and I'm going to give you a couple more. Um, March 15th, 1848, President Wilfred Woodruff, quote, I saw Joseph and Hiram and many others of the Latter-day Saints who had died, the innumerable company of souls. Now, it is a myth that not many people will go to the Celestial Kingdom. You should know that's a myth. That's based on two, two verses in the scriptures. The innumerable, that means without number, for us humans, but to God, uh, he numbers them. Company of souls, which I saw, seemed to be prepared for some grand and important event, which I could not understand. Many were engaged in making crowns for the saints. They were all dressed in white robes, male and female. Okay, I'm going to go to uh, William W. Phelps. And, uh, excuse the title at the bottom, there should be an S after the Phelps. Just to remind you, he wrote these hymns, if you could hide to Kolob, one that I've been uh, committing to memory in recent days, because it's so powerful. Now, let us rejoice. Oh God, the Eternal Father, praise to the man, the Spirit of God like the fire is burning, and others. He was really poetic. Now, notice the way he words this. It's just very beautiful. After seeing an angel, Brother Phelps reacted. Quote, I cried with a loud voice, the Lord preserve us, for an angel is here. The Lord is with us, for his angel has come. His appearance and countenance were beautiful, and his robe was white. His skin was a touch nicer than virgin snow, tinged did I say that right? Tinged with a crimson glimmer of sunset. This is really uh, powerful. Now I'm going to transition. So that's what they wear. I've got a couple more showing that they, they can wear more glory of clothing, but not today. Line up online, and, and that's probably tomorrow or Friday. I don't remember. Let's look at messengers of truth. Some of this you'll recognize, but you won't. You might say, I didn't notice that before. Christ, quote, Christ cometh. So this is the doctrine. Christ is coming. 
Brothers and sisters, Christ is coming according to the words of the angel. See the angel's teaching, Christ is coming. Can you think of a better thing for an angel to teach? The God of Jacob yieldeth himself on the cross, according to the words of the angel. They should scourge him and crucify him. This is a prophecy according to the words of the angel. For thus saith the angel, many shall be afflicted in the flesh. It must needs be expedient that Christ, for the last night, the angel spake unto me that that would be his name. See, angels teach truth. Here's one. <coughs> for behold, God knoweth all things, being from everlasting to everlasting. Behold, he sent angels to minister unto the children of men, to make manifest concerning the coming of Christ. Angels were among us, and they're ministering, and they're manifesting Jesus. They're also working with our full-time missionaries. You should know that. If you have a, a, a sister, a young sister, a young elder out, or parents or grandparents out, angels are helping them and serving with them. Remember, they're fellow servants with missionaries. And, and John said that, some others said that too. Well, the, the Lord cried to this people. The Lord cried to the people, but by the voice of his angels, repent, repent ye. I, the Lord God, should send forth angels to declare unto them repentance. Therefore he has sent his angel to declare the tidings of the conditions of repentance. Did you know that sometimes the angels prepare uh, uh, prepare uh, people to receive the missionaries. Sometimes the people don't know that they've been prepared by an angel, and sometimes they do. We have occasions when they say an angel came, and, uh, and they say, yeah, an angel said we'd be coming. We have other occasions where someone, someone's prepared, and they don't know that it was an angel that prepared them. When we talk about uh, Revelation, you'll see what that means. Angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you won't know if it's the Holy Ghost or if it's an angel. Now when we get to that, I'll tell you what people always ask me in my, my reply. Notice this one. Notice what the Lord is doing to prepare his, uh, the world for his second coming. How often I called you by the mouth of my servants and by the ministry of angels and by my own voice and by the voice of thunderings. He uses nature to get people to repent. And by the voice of lightnings, and by the voice of tempests, and by the voice of earthquake, and so on. And the voice of mercy all the day long. And by the voice of glory, he's saying, oh, repent, and you'll, you'll see glory, and honor, and the riches of eternal life. And when have saved you with an everlasting salvation. So the doctrine comes. But one of them, he calls people to repent by the ministry of angels. And transitioning again, agents of love. Now I've got several. This, this, we should come back and do this on Valentine's Day. And, and make it special. And, and maybe we'll order roses. I don't know. Uh, we'll do something. My wife and I, the first time we went to Israel, we lived in Jerusalem three times. First time we went, we bought some uh, dozen roses for two single sisters. 
that were in the branch there. And, and I still remember how wonderful those sisters were in their reaction. It was so sweet. This, okay, this is a picture of President Joseph F. Smith on the right and his son, Joseph F. Smith. They're both Joseph Fielding Smith, but we call the first one Joseph F. Smith, so everyone knows what we're talking about. So this is uh, uh, Joseph F. Smith. His father was Howard. And then, uh, so Joseph Fielding Smith, his grandfather was Hiram. Uh, uh, I think Joseph F. Smith was about six when his dad was martyred. Quote, I believe we move and have our being in the presence of heavenly messengers and heavenly, heavenly beings. We are not separated from them. I claim that we live in their presence. They see us. They are solicitous for our welfare. They love us. This is a topic. They love us now more than ever. Their love for us, their desire for our well-being, must be greater than that which we feel for ourselves. When I was a youth and I studied the ironic peace field every year and every, a lot of lessons, and it's very important to me, uh, I, I had no idea about angels and love. No one, if they told me, it, this went over my head. And when John Baptist came, he, he uh, and ordained Oliver and Joseph, uh, they felt his love. I, they didn't know him, copy that. Or if they did, I, was, I dismissed it. Okay. Okay, here's a romantic story. This is uh, Elder Party McGrath. He was in a Missouri dungeon. He was discouraged because he'd been in prison for so long. And one thought ruled his mind. I'm going to quote. Shall I ever at any time, however distant it may be, or whatever I may suffer first, shall I ever be free again in this life and enjoy the society of, now notice he put it in the right order, my dear wife and children, he got it in the right order, and walk abroad at liberty, dwell in society, he loved the people, he loved the saints, and preach the gospel as I've done in bygone years. So he spent days in prayer and fasting and asking that question. Will I ever be free from this dungeon? He didn't know if he'd be killed there, if he'd be martyred, he didn't know. He sought the Lord on the subject. He said one time he retired to his bed early at an early hour. He didn't have anything to do all day. He was in this dungeon. He, he said, I lay in silence, seeking and expecting an answer to my prayer. When suddenly I see him carried away in the spirit, the spirit's preparing him for a vision. Uh, and when I say vision, you might just think it's a dream, but a vision can be an actual personal personage appearing, and that's what happened to him. I seem carried away in the spirit and no longer sensible to outward objects. So, uh, so uh, he's, he's pulled away from the wall and the bed and if there's a chair there and the floor, whatever's in there. A heaven of peace and calmness pervaded my bosom. Alright, here's a quote. A personage from the world of spirits stood before me 
Now notice this. This is an angel. And notice how he, he describes the angel. A lot of times we miss this in our readings. A personage from the world of spirit stood before me with a smile of compassion in every look. A pity mingled with a tenderest love and sympathy in every expression of the countenance. I don't know if you and I can express that with our love. Maybe, maybe a little bit. But this is an expression of love par excellence, quintessential. Notice this, the romance continues. A soft hand was placed within my own, and a glowing cheek was laid in tenderness and warmth upon mine. Wow. Pretty personal. You'll see why. A well-known voice saluted me. He recognized the voice, which I readily recognized as that of the wife of my youth, who had for nearly two years been sweetly sleeping where the wicked cease from troubling and the weary are at rest. I was made to realize that she was sent to commune with me and to answer my question. So she was sent to teach him and to answer the question, will I ever be free? This, I love this gospel. It could have been brother so-and-so down the street. I want to do it. I want to go answer his question. He's an apostle. I want to meet him anyway. No. Send his wife. Knowing this, I said to her in, in a most earnest and inquiring tone, shall I ever be at liberty again in this life to enjoy my family and so on? She answered without hesitating, yes. She knew the right answer to give. She probably was told you can you can tell him this much, but not more. Then he, he, said, he said, after she said, yes, I wanted more knowledge. So he said this, can you tell me how or by what means or where I shall escape? And she replied in caps, hardly incredible, just in caps. That thing is not made to make known to me yet. So she knew he'd go free, but she didn't know how yet. I instantly felt that I had not begun my agreement and my faith in asking this last question, that I must be contented at present with the answer to the first. Her gentle spirit then saluted me and withdrew, and I came to myself. So here's a lesson for you, brothers and sisters. When you pray for knowledge, or like this, just lay it all out. Uh, uh, will I ever escape? How? What date? Uh, will be afternoon in the morning so I can prepare? Pull my hair, just ask all the questions at once. That's the lesson. Now I'm going to take about eight or ten minutes on this next story. It's a very sacred story, and I I get emotional when I tell it. If I get emotional, please bear with me. It's about Emma, one of the most remarkable women ever, 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 Emma Smith. I'm first going to introduce you to her. She's born in 1804 in a small log cabin. She's the seventh of nine children. In this image to the right, that's from the Family History Bible, that's Emma's handwriting, and that's her siblings. You see them all there? Some of you can read. David Hill, the second one down, David Hill, Mark 
1694, uh, and so on. Dan Lowe is a tall, attractive, olive-complexioned woman with brown eyes and black hair. She is about five foot nine. I just get, I'm introducing you to her. John Taylor said of Emma that she's a pattern of virtue. I don't know if you knew that she sings a panel. She often sang at church gatherings. She sometimes sang solo. Now, I gave a presentation to a, a state of youth in Green Idaho a couple years ago on Emma Smith, an hour. And when we talked about she sang soprano, soprano, I had arranged with the state president, getting permission, and I had a professional soprano speaker, singer, female. And when I got to this part, uh, we paused. The professional singer, uh, uh, a 30-year-old female, came up and sang, uh, accompanied with the piano, one of the hymns in Emma Smith's first hymn book. And I told the youth, and we have almost this many people, I said, listen to the voice of this professional singer. That's the voice of Emma. Do you want to know what soprano is? Listen. Listen to her sing one of the hymns in Emma's. It was totally touching. The, the youth had put away their, their uh, devices. Hopefully they didn't bring them. And it, they paid attention. And, and I, was, I was so touched by that singing. That's Emma. She, she grew up and there were all the animals in her area, including panthers. She learned nursing skills. Later in life, uh, the local doctor said, Emma knows more about babies than I do. She was a canoeist. I don't know if you knew this. A really good canoeist. They lived near the river. And sometimes she would take milk and deliver it down from street and sell it to other, other people. She taught school as a young woman. She was paid diary, or dairy cow for salary. No many will give you cows. Uh, later, she managed a dairy in harmony and again in others. I don't know if you knew this. She's very spiritual. She read the Bible, attended the Methodist Sunday School. Uh, uh, this is before she met Joseph, of course. Once her father, Isaac, found her in the woods praying for his spiritual welfare because he didn't believe in Jesus. So she, he came across her praying for him, and it touched his heart. She was a highly skilled horsewoman. She kept horses quiet while Joseph obtained the plate. Do you remember that? This is not just someone who, oh, I'll be back, watch the horses. She knew how to keep them quiet. She rode bareback on one occasion to warn Joseph of mobs that were seeking the gold plate. She wrote in Nauvoo Parades. Now, notice this quote by the 5th Relief Society General President, Emmeline B. Wells. Quote, many recall seeing Emma mounted on horseback beside her husband in a military parade, and a grander couple could nowhere be seen. She always dressed becomingly, and her riding costume showed off her shapely figure to the best advantage. She was a woman of commanding presence. A man couldn't have written this, and he got the right. <laughs> you agree? And, and it wasn't just anyone who 
month, she was the later British Society president, general president. Just so you know, and the youth in this in this state up there didn't know this. Joseph and Emma were racially inclusive. That's really important to know. And a lot of them, what? We didn't know that. Jane Elizabeth Manning, who's very famous, the picture here, and nine other black saints walked 800 miles to Nauvoo. Jane had purchased a, a, a trip on a uh, riverboat to get to Nauvoo. She paid the fare and then gave her belongings so they could be put on the riverboat. And then someone said, you're black, you cannot come on the riverboat. So she lost the fare and her belongings, everything. All she had was, was what, is, what was on her back. And she walked 800 miles to Nauvoo. Joseph and Emma invited her to stay with them as a family member. And a lot of people don't know this. Also, Joseph and Emma cared for when they came to Nauvoo, uh, a, a group of uh, young black males, and I'm, I'm using a quote, I'm using this term properly, in case you say, should you see, be saying African Americans? I'm doing it according to uh, uh, a, a, proper, a proper way to do it. And, uh, Emma taught one of them how to cook, and when he's 18, he became a cook on that riverboat. Now, now, I'm going to get to the, back to the angel. I don't know if you know this. Hold on. A lot of people have judged, I'm going to get this to the next story, but I'm getting a preview. Judge, President Brigham Young, did you take care of Emma? And why didn't she come with the saints? So they judged President Brigham Young. They judged him wrong. Others have judged Emma. Why didn't you come back with the saints to Utah? Why didn't you follow? Why didn't you stay in Utah? Uh, you, we don't have enough information. If anyone told you that, just say this as kindly as you can and smile. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you have no idea. I was in a major antique store in Salt Lake recently, and one of the people who owns that store produced, I visited with him for about an hour, and he pulled out, he, he told his one worker, pull up such and such from the safe. And he handed me this document, and it's not published yet, so I can only give you a little bit of information. He said, look at this. And it had Emma's signature on it five times. The value is probably around 120000 It's an important historical document, in part because it has her signature five times. But one of them says, and I'm getting ahead of the game a bit, so I don't want you to put this on social media. This is just for you and me. Please, please, please. And it, it made it clear that uh, the church was sending funds to Emma and her children. See, that wasn't known. That's not the history books. And it came from Brigham. And, and Emma was acknowledging, I acknowledge this. Date, sign, I acknowledge this, and so on. Now, some have judged Emma. Why didn't you go? I'm going to show you why in the next story. Hold on. I'm not trying to give you a cliffhanger. 
I'm just so excited to get to it. But first, let's finish this. Joseph was an angel. Now, notice what happens. Emma is a widow, and she passed away April 30, 1879. Let that be in the history books. Eternal history books. That should be up there with when George Washington lived and died, and Alexander Hamilton, anyone. Um, that should be in the history books. Emma Smith, there should be some paintings on her. All history books. So here's what happened. During the night, her two sons took turns at her bedside. They used that she was, she was elderly. At one point she called out this, and I've got it on the screen. Joseph, 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 yes, yes, I'm coming. Now let me tell you her gesture when she said this. When she said, started saying Joseph, one of her sons ran into the room, and they saw Emma raise herself up from the bed and extend her left arm. Now, I don't know if she's like this or this, I don't know, but she's sitting on the bed, she had been lying, and it's 4.20 a.m. That's when she says this, extends her, uh, her left arm like she's pointing to someone or, or like this, I don't know. The son named Alexander slipped his arm behind her shoulders and grasped her hand. This is a good son. These are both good sons. And he said, Mother, what is it? Emma did not answer. So he folded her hand against her breast and laid her back. At 20 minutes after 4 in the early dawn of April 30, 1879, Emma was dead. Most historians that are believers, anyway, believe Joseph Smith came to receive Emma at death. I have a lot of stories on that. I'm going to share two or three others with you. So you'll know that in the mouth of truth and witnesses. So we think Joseph came for Emma, and she says, Joseph, three times. And then she says, yes, yes, I'm coming. Like he's speaking to her, and no one else in the room can hear. They can just hear her vocalization. She's still immortal for another minute or two. Now I'm going to transition and tell you how Emma became an angel over a hundred years later. Uh, no, I, I said that wrong. Emma was an angel probably immediately, but I, 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 an Emma manifestation about a hundred years or whatever, 150 years later. So I'm going to introduce you to Robert W. Smith, who was raised in the Reorganized Church, which is now called the Community of Christ. And he was raised, he said, I've been taught to distrust and fear the Mormon Church all my life. Uh, on one occasion, he started to study the church. And, 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 but he didn't trust them. He came across the website josephsmithjr.com. He spent several hours reading it. And he emailed the site and explained who I was. So he's a direct descendant of Anna and Joseph. 
He was contacted the very next day and was invited to go to Utah in August 2005 for a Joseph Smith family reunion. So here's a direct descendant who's a member of the, we say RLDS Church, or Community of Christ. And he's invited to go, and then he says this, I was fearful to go to Utah, and was actually concerned for my safety and well-being. I, I left thinking I was like a sheep being led to the slaughter, and I might go out on a nice plane, but I'd come back in the pine box. That's what he been taught about Utah. But when he came, he found it to be delightful. He, he was uh, ho uh, hosted to several events, one of which, Elder, now President, and Russell Ballard of the Quorum of the Twelve, a Smith cousin and a descendant of Joseph's brother Hiram, addressed us. Just so you know, Hiram's family stayed in the church, Joseph and Emma didn't. Just so you know, if you follow that history, until the last 30 years or so. And President Ballard has been really um, great to to help the descendants of Joseph and Emma come into the church. Now, notice this. Um, uh, at one point, they went to a play at the Marriott Center, and someone invited the direct descendants to come down to the floor of the Marriott Center, just so everyone could see them. There were 23,000 people in attendance, and the 23,000 people stood up and gave them the Joseph and Anna's descendants a standing ovation for several minutes. And he was one of them. He, he said, I'll never again in my life have a feeling of total emotion. I felt as I stood in the middle of the stadium with my family as we received a standing ovation from 23,000 people. And then they, they went to Mormon Tabernacle Choir, that's what it's called there. Then broadcast. Craig Jessup paid tribute to Joseph's wife Emma with a collection of hymns. And they sang hymns. Some of these Oh, how lovely was the morning. Praise to the man, Joseph's first prayer. Robert said, I went openly for the first time in 50 years when they sang Joseph's first prayer. Now I'm going to fast forward. Poor Robert was perplexed. He'd been raised a member of the reorganized LDS Church. That's, that's a phrase right from him. That's how he called it. And he'd been taught that the Mormon Church, that's how he called us, was wrong. And he'd been taught that Brigham Young had left the widow of Brigham's best friend, Joseph, back behind and went to Utah and just left her and maybe even said some mean things about her. Well, I don't believe that part at all. So just watch yourselves. Again, if someone says, oh, here's the story, you say, no, that's not the story. That you don't know and I don't know. I know one percent and you know half percent. But to the person who talks to so I've got to, to move on because I have some two other stories. So April 2006, he's driving down the highway 
He's listening and singing along to a southern gospel radio station. So he's very religious, listening to uh, southern gospel radio. I still remember the song I was singing. It was titled Joy, Joy, Wonderful Joy by the gospel, gospel group Bill and Gloria Gators. I don't know that group for this song, but he's singing along. And he, he's sitting there perplexed. Should I, what should I do about my, what I think I know about Brigham Young and Emma and my faith and the Mormon Church? I don't know. He's perplexed for years. So he's driving along in his car. It's kind of a new car. And as he's singing along, the radio went silent. And he said, I was a bit irritated at this since the car I was driving was almost new. How could the radio break so soon? So he did what a lot of us did. Hit his ash. It used to work in the 70s, right? Uh, these old cars. So he hit the dash and fiddled with the radio dials, but finally gave up, just drove along the road in complete silence. In the quiet, I would start to ponder my dilemma. Should I join the Mormon church as I wanted to enjoy fellowship with saints? Would this upset my family and many generations of Smiths who were angry that Emma had not been taken west with other saints? Suddenly, to my surprise, I clearly and distinctly heard a, voice, a woman's voice speak to me. Next slide. It, the voice, as if it had come to the radio speakers, the voice said, Robert, follow your heart. I stayed in Nauvoo because I was tired and could travel no further. The voice belonged to Emma Smith, my great great grandmother. Sorry, really emotional. Um, that was, he knew instantly the voice belonged to Emma, even though he never heard it. He just knew it was Emma's voice as if it came through the radio, and she explained what a lot of saints have wondered about forever. Why didn't you come west? Remember, if you go back and see how she moved about, how she was persecuted, and Joseph was persecuted all their married life. They moved about, they did this and that, tarring each other in, and, and Jaylene said, did you know Joseph Smith was falsely accused over 50 times? And sent uh, to court? 50 times. That's that's a new study of about 10 years ago. And uh, you, you can't help but wonder if, if Emma started questioning her husband. Why are they accusing you of this lie, this, and this, and this, this bad thing, this bad thing? So she was tired. Okay, I'm going to transition. Now I've got two more. I'm going to skip a couple. Uh, I will give you this one. From the beginning down to the dispensation. Dispensation. God has used angels as his emissaries in conveying love. Hmm. Okay, well then taking that one. The veil was parted, and the angel of God, this is John the Baptist, when he came and gave the priesthood, the rice priesthood. The veil was parted, and the angel of God came down clothed with glory, his love and kindled upon our souls. And much of the time, this is a really poor picture, and I debated about showing it. Upper, upper left, David O'McKay. Very upper left. Uh, to his left, 
horseman with him. It's not a, he has a lighter colored suit. He's standing in the very back next to David when we came. It's not a very good photo. It's the best I can do. Yeah, and apostle. Early on the morning of April 24th, 1918, while I lay on my pillow, half asleep, half awake, a pair of hands were laid upon my head. My first thought was that someone was in my house who ought not to be, and that I must lie perfectly still in order to be safe. But the touch was so soft and gentle that all fear left me, soon left me, and with my own hands I took hold of those resting upon my head. This is going to end up to be a very romantic story, too. They were a woman's hands. Presently, I saw my wife, Zaina, who had been dead for 18 years. She was hovering over me. I held out my arms to her, and she came into them. It was all so real. I could not doubt that she was actually there, a guardian, guardian angel watching over her children and me. Now, just to remind you, President Hebrews Kimmel said a faithful wife who has received the blessing in the temple can be, quote, a guardian angel to her husband as she's passed away. Just so you know. About 244, does that sound right? Come on. 67. Can I start with this tomorrow? It takes five minutes. This is the last of the romantic. I don't want to shorten you. I know, I can't go over it all. Here's one more story about angels uh, coming to call someone to death. This is uh, the way Kimball wrote for her husband regarding Seymour Brunson. The room is full of angels. They have come to wait my spirit home, says Seymour. He told everyone in the room. Angels came. He then bade his family and friends farewell and sweetly fell asleep in Jesus. But the point is, the room was full of angels and they came to take his spirit. But when he passed away at his funeral, people lined up the streets for over a while. Angels exist and have power because Jesus is our Christ and Savior. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.